Welcome, travelers. I'm Josh. I'm Glenn. And I'm Lee Wanika. And this is Tabletop Journeys, where we will be your humble guides on the quest to RPG adventures. Here at Tabletop Journeys, we are all devoted role players and storytellers at heart, and we absolutely love sharing our passion with you. In our main podcast episodes, we discuss D&D 5e's core rules and ever-expanding content, while also showcasing other RPG systems and bringing you fresh, new projects from indie content creators. Let us help you get the most out of your story, no matter what game world you're playing in, because detailed settings, heroic characters, vibrant NPCs, and a focus on story over rules can make any campaign legendary. Here's a message from friends of the show. Hello, this is Mike Daniel, host of 19 Hits the Dragon, the bi-weekly podcast where I interview creators from the tabletop RPG community and get answers to the long-awaited questions like, um, how are you so talented? Where do you get all of your ideas and how can I do that for myself? Please? Deal with situations like, or have you ever seen a giant earthworm? Those things are terrifying. Cover hot takes. Know the rules, but know that they can be broken. And especially if it just makes it way cooler and more fun, and break them. And of course, highest level of professionalism here on 19 Hits the Dragon, as always. So just search 19 Hits the Dragon on your podcast platform of choice, and then go out and tell 19 of your closest friends. And we'll see y'all there. Bye-bye. Welcome, everybody. This is going to be our third episode on the Druid class in Dungeons and Dragons 5th edition. We're going to dive into the subclass rankings. It's been a little while since we've done one of these. I'll go over the scoring mechanism in just a minute here. But before we get into that, Mr. Myers, Mr. Miller, as always, to, to see you. How are both of you this fine evening? Doing very well. At the time of this recording, I'm about four or five days after my latest streaming game that I'm playing. Again, Benito of, uh, of Spectre Studios is running this one. He does streams to Sparrow, but he started his new game, Old Ways to Sparrow, which is definitely by design a more RP heavy, but with bouts of good action. We had that in the, la- in, the in our first session. So some newer players, new to the game, new to the group, as well as some veterans. And it's a lot of fun. I'm getting to sit down at a table with a good friend of mine, Art, who I haven't gamed with since I was living in Maine. Awesome to be able to game with him once again. And the crew is up to its old antics. That always was a great crew to go ahead and run with. So glad that you're having fun there. Uh, How about you, Mr. Myers? How are things for you this evening? Why the hell are you asking me that? This is our second episode. You asked me this like an hour and 20 minutes ago. (laughs) I already told you, doing fine. We got to make the recording sound legitimate. Nobody's heard how you're doing for about a week. You got to forecast yourself yourself into a week now and then decide how you're doing then. Uh, My house just sold. Congratulations. (laughs) One of us needs to be a cleric. 
of prophecy so that we could divine these things. Mm, exactly. Had one of us back to the Kickstarter campaign, we could be in order this of prophecy. True, this is true. This is true. Yeah. But I am doing well. Happy to be in the studio with two of my favorite gentlemen, just being silly and acting like a goofball. Always a good time. It is always a good time. We do enjoy it very much here. Excellent. Glad to have you both. So let's let's dive in here because seven subclasses to go over here. Let's go over the scoring metric that we normally use. So for each of these subclasses, they are going to be ranked in order one through seven, seven being the best, one being the least favorite on both mechanics and on flavor. One means it's crap. And seven means it's amazing. And then we have a kind of a pool of points that we can spread throughout for both whether or not we have or want to play a character in that subclass and the wild card ranking that allows us to go ahead and massage our scores a little bit if we find that the actual rankings on those three criteria maybe don't seat the subclass exactly where we want it to in the ranking here. So that kind of gives us a little bit of control over kind of personal preference and stuff like that. So if you are following along at home, that means that the maximum score that a particular subclass can get from any single host is 34 points, 7 plus 7 plus 10. And looking down through the through the scores here, I think this is going to be a very interesting conversation because... Oh. I had a perfect score. Liwanika had a class that was off by one point for, from a perfect score. And Glenn had almost a perfect score in the opposite. Yeah, it's very interesting. Part of the dilemma here, just so we're all aware and on the same page, is you re-explained the point system to everyone yeah. else and me, apparently. Despite the fact that I've done this many times in the past, I did both wildcard and have or have not played to a max rank of seven, just like everything else, instead of uh, ten. So that is my number slightly skewed. But the pattern is still there. The pattern yeah. is still clear. My stats still provide a yeah. solid picture of how I feel about the Druid yeah. subclasses yeah. involved. And so that's this is very interesting looking at the average score. So if we take our three scores and average them together, normally we get a pretty wide range of scores. We get some at the bottom, we get some at the top, and a kind of a wide swath in the middle. All of these subclasses are within 10 points of each other. Which is weird for us. I'm surprised by this. And I think that, yeah, I'm, you know what? I'm not quite sure how that happened, but I think that, yeah, I think without any further ado, let's start diving in. As usual, we're going to go ahead and take D20s in hand and we will roll initiative for each one to see who gets to go ahead and talk about it first. And then we'll begin our discussion from there. Gentlemen, D20s to the ready. Done. Ooh, that is a 13 for me. Two. 19 for Liwanika. Mr. Miller, so the Circle of Land druid is Yeah, so Circle of Land is a druid that I just like it at its base. I think it did some things that were very, very fun. And it suffered from what I've said with any of the subclasses that have any of the classes that have a small number of subclasses. That is some of the rankings dropped specifically because there just aren't a lot of them. So it's like you don't it's gonna to come up with a mathematical number that I gave flavor, for instance, on the circle of the land with a three, simply because there are just four that are better, not because it's bad. They're just four Therefore, that I better, happen yeah. to think are better. I really like the mechanics of this and the way they kind of led themselves into what was going on. I've had one of these played at my table for a brief time, one tier, and I loved what he brought to the class. I love that this was his choice and not the moon druid because it just fit the motif. They lived in an agrarian society. 
he was doing things there that was his way of going about it and i like that yeah i so i also so a very strange thing happened when i ranked these and that's that universally down the line i ranked their mechanics and their flavor independently and then when i went back and looked at them i realized that for both mechanics and flavor for every subclass i had ranked them the same so like the circle of land became a three and a three for mechanics and flavor everything was exactly the same for mechanics and flavor and i'm not totally sure why that happened but i think that it goes to what you're saying a little bit there Leonika, where with only seven subclasses a three is middle of the road a three is like the average right Circle Land is not bad. I, in fact, I scored it wanting to play it higher than I actually scored its mechanics and flavor because I thought it was really neat. I really liked the the specialties, the, the regional specialties that it offered up. I wasn't crazy about the higher level abilities with the immunity to charm by Faye. I thought that was a pretty... I think that was an ability that wasn't like super, super useful at level 18 or level 60 or whatever, whenever that comes in, like 14, 16, whatever that comes in. 10? So is it 10? Yeah, Nature's Ward, you cannot be charmed or frightened by elementals or Faye. Yeah, I guess I... Definition. You're, talking about. You know, You're going to give them by 10th level immunity to charm and fear. Make it immunity to charm and fear. They're 10th level. Right. Why only Fey and Elementals? And I guess that it's, that's, that limitation just didn't make an awful lot of sense to me. And so I was eh, that that knocked it down the mechanic ladder. And it, that's a lot of a lot of the classes that fell down for that kind of reason, where it's like, hey, I've got two subclasses that have a very similar ability, like they grant a spell at second level, and one of them grants one additional cantrip, and one of them grants three second level spells. Clearly the one that grants three second level spells is better than the one, or some example. Like We'll get into more specifics on that when we kind of get to it, but that's what happened to me. So for me, what do you think, Glenn? Yeah. this one, when I read it, I knew from the beginning it wasn't going to be top tier, but it it did start out higher than where I where it ended. I have it three and three for mechanics and flavor also. The flavor is bumped down more just by the quality of the flavor above it than the mechanics. Because honestly, I think this one mechanically is not that great. My my notes were arcane recovery in quotes. And separate spell lists for the different favored terrains were cool, but overall weak sauce after that all the way around. And I say that because, all right, you're going to give them the terrain, but the only thing you're going to tie to it is the spell lists, which aren't terrible. But if you're going to go that, why aren't any of the other abilities based off of that? Why don't, why doesn't anything else come from being an Arctic druid? In terms of the flavor of the land, it's just not there. And then as you move up, all of it's filled with those strange specificities, like Landstride is neat. Difficult terrain, non-magical, no longer cost you extra movement everywhere, apparently, regardless of your favored terrain or where you're from. Non-magical plants without being slowed, without taking damage from thorns, etc. That's not bad. The six-level power isn't terrible. But you have advantage on saving throws against plants, specifically, that are magically created to manipulate or impede movement, such as the Entangle spell. So you specifically have advantage on saving throws against magically cast plants. Yeah. That's super crazy. Yeah. But think about, we talked about this last episode, think about something like spike growth, right? When we have seen the, the, the effect that spike growth causes. It, remember when we had that uh, the class warfare, we had the, the Koatoa who, who cast spike growth on you guys, and it messed you up for It was a deal breaker. It was a deal breaker. This is right. a druid that doesn't yeah. have that problem. It does, though, because it only does that for non-magical. So it has advantage on that roll to get out. Every time you move, yeah. every five feet are you moving. Yeah. So it's like giving oh, you a get-out-of-jail-free card, but only half the jail. I mean, there's Entangled, there's Spike Growth. How many others are there? There's like maybe one or two other plant control use spells. And then we already talked about the Nature's Ward 10th level thing, but when you get to your when you get to their top tier ability at the end there, also beasts are less likely to attack you is your apex ability. 
Right. Of course, they're less likely to attack you in Tier 4. You're less likely to face beasts in Tier right. 4. This is the biggest beast at CR6. We just discovered that a little while ago. So it in reading, when I first started, it started off medium strong. But unfortunately, once I got past the level 2 powers, it just nosedive fast. One of the things that I really latched onto is I love the spell list. And to me, I thought that was one of the most mechanically strong things for the subclasses. I love that specified environment. I love things by environment. It leads to the concept of exploration. And the way I ranked it up for the mechanics of that, but I ranked the flavor down because I didn't follow through with anything going along with it. That's pretty much exactly what I said. I thought that was really cool. Right. But so they didn't you do marked it down for mechanics. It. I marked it down for flavor. I thought they didn't have the flavor to go with the mechanics. So that was kind of where I came on it. But same discussion, same thought, different way of scoring it. But yeah. Cool. All right. D20s to the ready. Let's see what we got for Circle of the Moon. That's an eight for me. I can't see it. It's on 12. I hope you get to go, Glenn. 19. Okay, do you have a D20 that has something uh, I have three 19 D20s here. I've rolled one of them twice, and it rolled 19 both times. All right. All right. Then go ahead and steal steal Glenn's fire after he go, after he got to play the the, the Circle of the Moon uh, Druid in the Class Warfare. Go I have ahead, no though. fire vault or stake involved here. <laughs> Don't worry about it, Leo and Nika. You just roll Circle forward with moon. initiative. At the end of the day, right, this is it. what most of the people who came to the Druid came here for it's the ability to wild shape like no other and as great as that was and as mechanically sound as it is i just couldn't go higher than where it ended up which is a five which is the higher end of average for me and the reason for that is that's all that it is it basically expands the main class it didn't really add much to it so it became five and five mechanics and flavor because it didn't do much beyond be more of the same that said wild card i gotta give it a 10 there's a reason why it's the most celebrated subclass for druids in the game. So I gave it the wild card 10, but honestly, for want to play, I only went six there. And the reason for that is the lack of the flavor with that one is why I wouldn't want to play it. If I want to play a druid, I really want to bring something to what I'm doing. I want to do something with what it could be. And I don't think there's enough. It is the most, probably the most mechanically sound, even though I didn't rank it high. Because there are just other things that I think do what they want to do better. How can it be the most mechanically sound if you Because there are time? other things that I think mechanically support the theme better. And granted, that's partially flavor, but I do think there's something that can be said for if your mechanics support your theme. I don't know. I, did, I could... I- I don't disagree. I don't disagree that mechanics can support theme, but if we're going to take the time to separate mechanics from flavor, then mechanics should be mechanics and flavor should be flavor. Yeah, my opinion. I'll also, yeah, I'll also refute what you said about this being the most mechanically sound subclass because it's absolutely not. It is slightly better than Circle of the Land, I think, but not by a lot. And there, there are two things really that kind of stood out for me for big problems. You're just going to jump yeah. initiative order, are you? you? Just don't even go oh, crap. No, that's right. You know, no, you're absolutely. Go ahead. I don't, no, I don't, go ahead. Go finished. ahead, eager beaver. No, I will uh, advantage on your next initiative roll. I wild shaped into an eager beaver for this round so i uh, what's the cr on an eager beaver yeah for real continue go right ahead thank you i appreciate that holding your action so i can go ahead and finish here so two things one your apex ability is that you get to go ahead and use alter self for free alter self is a second level spell okay i'm sorry but that's weak sauce at tier four absolutely weak sauce. totally useless no i don't care if i get it for free i don't care if i get unlimited uses no there's just that's no that's not very good the other thing is the ability that comes just before that and i apologize that I didn't actually write down the headings here, but the one that basically allows you to go ahead and expend two wild shape uses to become an elemental, you only have two wild shape uses. 
So you have to use all of your wild shape uses to become an elemental. Is becoming an elemental, or as opposed to becoming a creature twice, really that much better? And I don't think that it is. I don't think that it is. The saving grace for this class for me, though, was the fact that early on, your natural attacks become magical. That's really powerful at tier two. And that was the only thing I think that saved this class for me from a mechanical point of view. The higher level wild shapes, also sexy. Glenn, you showed that off in the class warfare, I think, really well. But I don't think it's another subclass that good early on and really petered off at the end for me. I would agree 100%. It's what the air quotes druid wild shape is known for. He's going to be the guy who specials in it, the shape changer. But if Watsi or some of us don't decide to create some higher CR creatures to give that 20th level druid who can transform into CR6 creatures some more, even just a few more animals to play with, shapes to play with, abilities to play with. It's just not going to hold up when you get to the higher levels. And all of the abilities after 6th, you're not wrong. They get pretty useless. They're kind of useless, yeah. The elemental thing is neat, but I don't think that I would choose an air elemental with 90 hit points and a slam attack. The whirlwind's pretty cool with the recharge, but I had that many hit points as the snake. Yeah as a giant constrictor and I had yeah. cool powers too. Yeah. I did you that twice <laughs> instead of becoming an air elemental. Yeah. I didn't see that as viable. I loved the Circle of Moon Druid that I made. Shelly was a whole lot of fun and I would play one and have a great time playing one, but it's not high on my druids to play because after tier two, you pretty much just have your spells. But I do want to throw out there because that primal strike ability for magic to overcome magical attacks to overcome resistance, which is super hot. What's also super hot about the druid is they get that ability from level one with the cantor lately. You can turn any Mm -hmm. stick into a magical weapon from level one that'll bypass things, which is pretty cool too. Yeah. Wrapping up this one, I would just say that this is yet. You think you get to go twice every Uh, round? You get advantage on the next one. I would just say that. (laughs) You want to go first and last? uh, I would just say this, that this space is an ability that is very neat just like the other the circle of land did there's some things that are popping in that are only going to come up rarely or campaign specific and i think the variant elementals will be very situational there are going to be situations where that makes the best sense for that day for that or you could be in a campaign where that would net where that situation would never occur so storytellers lean into what your people have build something where that option should come up at least once or twice in a campaign for them all right cool d20s gentlemen let's uh, i'm rolling a different roll something 19 here i got a four it's an 11 for me it's a 10 so circle of dreams is actually what i played in the class warfare i I played the satyr circle of dreams and that was honestly more of a flavor decision than anything else circle of dreams is the first one that we see outside of the player's handbook this was originally in this guide circle of dreams it has some neat abilities right it has the hit point die pool basically that it can use go ahead and a la paladin lay on hands where it can go ahead and heal other people and then it gets temporary hit points that's really cool and went to the utility aspect that we talked about earlier in the last episode there where it's i can do a cool thing and i also get a little bit of a benefit it's a really nice kind of healing power for my character which was also fairly my character he wasn't necessarily tanking but he was definitely taking on the baddies kind of one-on-one to the point that like the you and scald glenn could be freed up to go ahead and do other things i thought that the teleport ability the the 60 foot teleport or a 30 foot teleport for opponents i thought was interesting but also i wish that there would have been one of those things where it's like you could do that with willing opponents or you could go ahead and force an opponent to go ahead and make a save and teleport them away i thought that would have been a kind of a neat twist on that that would have been hot 
I think that that would have been that would have been a really nice addition. I think it would have ranked better at that point. But at the end of the day, I just didn't think that this subclass had enough. I think I wanted a little bit. I wanted more from this subclass. It wasn't so much that what it had was bad; it was that I wanted more. I don't know who goes next. Glenn, you go next this time. You went last time. Uh, okay, I don't mind, but whatever. The dice are what the dice are. Lick is next. Well, you went Did first. You take your advantage on that one, Glenn. Oh no. Okay. I didn't need uh, advantage. I actually prefer to go last for <laughs> these. By the way, advantage. I keep rolling high. It's the opposite. So, sketch for me. Circle of Dream, I agree with you, Josh. It was one of those things where there was just something I wanted more. I wanted to see more uses of those dice. Like, when you use those dice a class warfare deck, I can't wait to do something to do it. And it's like, just that. It's All just the things that, that were yeah. cool. It's still pretty, still pretty hot. I'm thinking there could have been so much more with it, is how I felt with it. But I love the way the character played when you played it. So much so that I ranked it an 8 yeah. for wild card and a 7 because it surprised me the way you played it and what it was able to do in that scenario. So yeah. I gave it the high wild card marking. And then for willingness to play, it was like, you look like you had a blast with it. And I too wanted to have a blast with I it. I did. I absolutely you, did. When you true. make something look a lot of fun, that's going to rank higher for me in that regard. As far as the mechanics and the flavor, it really went to a 4 and a 4. It is the subclass that I saw and and thought, huh, how many of these subclasses are going to ha- lean into Faye without getting Faye enough for me? And I was like, this is the second one that did that. And there are at least two more, I think, when we're all said and done. I'm like, not everything <laughs> yeah. is going to be Faye. And if it's going to be Faye, give me more. We love Faye. We do. I love Faye, near yeah. and dear to my heart. But if you're going to say it, be that thing. And I don't think this quite does that. Yeah. And that's what I was missing when I was reading it. So it went four, four, eight, and 7 for me. Yeah. So – Circle of Dreams, not my favorite, but I did think its flavor was good. And its mechanics, I thought, were very solid, and I'll cover why in a second. It stayed middle of the board for everything else but its mechanics. I think it has the Fae flavor. I think what it's missing, to your point, Lee Winika, though, is something at the beginning that's a trait that the Fae Wild applies to you through exposure table kind of thing, like you get yep. from some other stuff, that yeah. gives some kind of a physical change to your character that you can choose for, from flavor or, or other things to show Fae show influence. Because there's almost always a physical tell and that would add some of it but the ability being real short fur exposed skin yep body hair that looks like moss something but the abilities are all lined up nicely along the summer court vein and they're all mechanically effective which is why i actually ranked this one with the highest mechanics which is a tough call between them spores and stars interesting but while none of the mechanics in this class are amazing or overpowered every one of them is seems solid reasonably well written and balanced enough for the level even if i'd like to maybe see it a little bit higher whereas the other ones had specific powers that i'm like oh nope that one should be less or more this one at least hit it hit mediocre to good on all cylinders as opposed to having a cylinder (laughs) misfire along the way because all of the summer court i hear what you're saying it's a smaller pool of d6s than you get in a paladin's lay on hands and it is a random and whenever we hear dice pools we're like what other things can you do with them but it is just to heal and it's as it says a bomb of the summer court but it's a 120 feet line of sight here yeah a solid amount and you get temporary hit points when you do it so it's not even i'm not even healing you i'm getting a little bit of a healing kickback on that yeah. which is you're playing one D&D, so those two pieces to- and this winning all day yeah doesn't seem like it's got huge punch but those little bits of extra that's what makes it special and work i wasn't yeah. sure how i felt about hearth of moonlight and shadow either basically it's like a rest protection yeah but given how often 
you have to long rest in places and how much is I'm looking at things like within the circle of it while you're camping, every time you're camping with this up, you have a plus five bonus to dexterity, stealth and wisdom perception checks, all open flame, etc., aren't visible outside of it. It's not a guarantee. It doesn't keep creatures out, but it's close to a non-detectable to protect you while you sleep. That fits the dreams concept. That was the weakest power that almost got it knocked down, but I let it ride. Yeah. Um, yeah. Hidden paths is pretty cool with the ability to teleport and the 60 feet or the other person, the... I like the, I really like your unwilling opponent saving throw idea though. I, if somebody said, Hey, can I do that? I'm, I might give it, let it fly mm-hmm. rule of cool and all. Yeah. But I did really like the last apex ability, the level 14 Walker of dreams for dreams crying and the special modified version of teleportation circle, because basically they've given them town portal from yep. Diablo. If the last place you slept was an inn, is cool. where you and your party will teleport back to. They yeah. created a class with Town Portal, and I loved it. Yeah, that is pretty cool. Luanika, you called it. So I gave this class two for both mechanics and flavor, and I'm realizing that it just kind of fell down that way naturally as I adjusted other things. And maybe I was too harsh. Maybe switch this with probably sets of things. What would I kick out? Would I move it up to a four and move both Circle of Moon and Circle of Land down? I don't think I moved both of those down, and I certainly don't put it up at five. So maybe up to a four, but I would really have to go ahead and think yeah. about that. So I went, maybe I was a little harsh, but not that harsh. I went four and four, and it was not because I didn't like anything. It's just because I liked other things more. Yeah, nothing wrong All with right. that. All right. Circle of the Roll shepherd. your advantage, Glenn. So I got a 16. Woohoo. I rolled my advantage. I got a 16 and a seven. So I got a 16. There you go. Eight. Okay. Mr. Myers, Circle of the Shepherd. Okay. So this is one of two that I, my first words, it had potential, but it's crap. Oh, no. Okay. Are you a Shepherd fan? I liked it, but carry on first. Fair enough. I'll give you, I'll give you why I thought it was crap and then I'll let you change my mind. I think it would have been better served if it had an expanded spell list that focused on summoning instead of the spirit totem, is my first thing. The spirit totem, while it's interesting, is got. It's too much complexity for not enough bang for my buck. I just was not impressed with that ability at all. Mighty is the only mechanic it's got that I think is worth a crap at all. And playing into the Circle of the Shepherd and the concept of the Summoner, I think it fits it perfectly. But if you're going to go with something like Mighty Summoner and you're going to talk about why are we summoning spirits? Why is it a guardian spirit at level 10 for a spirit totem that safeguards the beasts and the fae that you call forth with your magic? Why isn't it you're summoning a creature or hell, an elemental, anything that there's a summon spell for? But if you want to make it beast, you could do that. Faithful summons, I thought, was neat right up until you realize that your apex power you can only use when you're about to die. Aside from that, it serves you no purpose whatsoever. Mm. If you happen to take a death blow, your yeah. apex power now kicks in. But if you're regularly taking care of your position in combat and not, how often am I in a situation where I drop? In tier one and two, pretty often. But by the time you're hitting higher tiers, by the time you're your 10th level, by the time you're 14th level for the apex... How often do players really go all the way down in combat? Not that often. So it's not Different only players zero may. hit points, though. If you're facing, and I think that this actually comes up fairly common in tier three and tier four, facing creatures that can incapacitate you, remember that also triggers the ability. But that's actually a really uh. good point that I didn't think about, is that as an apex ability, as cool as it is, and that's honestly why I liked it, is I loved the idea of the Game of Thrones, like Jon Snow, like sending his, his spirit into ghost over there, that kind of thing. I loved the concept 
of that power much more than I think the power is really good. I really liked the idea of the power. I yes. liked the idea of the power. And I think that's a really good point on your part that the power is not actually, it's not actually that good. The one point that I am really going to go ahead and take issue with is, is your thoughts on the kind of the companion that this subclass gets. I wish that when they wrote our guide to everything that they went and said, you know what? The companion buff that the circle of the shepherd gets, we have to give to the ranger. Look at what that would have done. Think about what that ability would have done to the ranger companions. If with the buffs that they get, when you summon them, if you summon them at a certain level, they get additional hit points and they get additional attacks. That's exactly what we've been talking about. Ranger companions need. Mighty Summoner is the one ability, just in case yeah. you missed it, that yeah. I did. Yeah. So that's, I think, so I, I thought that this was better, but again, it's funny. I, as I did the rankings, this came up as five, and now I'm looking at it like, whoa, is this really three subclasses better no. than Circle of Dreams? That's very, it's Hard very, no. very, it, I'm realizing, no. I'm not disagreeing, I'm not, I'm looking at my own numbers and not disagreeing with you, Leo. Yeah, so, so go ahead and, yeah, that's, I, I think, for as hard as I may have been on the Circle of Dreams, I may have yeah. been too easy on this, but I really and, liked it. And I, I wanted to. I have at least two things that I would actually swap places with as far as Circle of Land and Circle of Moon. I think I would swap where I rank their mechanics if in order to get a more accurate picture after our discussion, but... I feel pretty confident with putting the Circle of Shepherd at one and one for mechanics and flavor. It is probably my least favorite set of mechanics. I use that phrase very carefully. There are There is the Summoner mechanic, which I really like, but I think it should have been with the Ranger class. It yeah, could be here too oh, if you, they adjusted it. You, you can't take down on the Druid class for half no, no, no. because you want it to be That's not why I'm taking that, it down. That, I'm just, that's actually not that fair. Is, that is praise. <laughs> Despite having one of the better single features that I like, it is not nearly enough to come back from everything else that's here. For flavor, I left it at a one. I don't know. Something when I think of Circle of Shepherd, I still want it to not be spirits. I think of a shepherd, I want there to be a flock yeah. or a murder of crows or a herd of oxen or it's, something. I want exactly physical things. I want that scene out of the rundown where you've got Christopher Walken saying, oh, that's a lot of cows. A lot of I cows. want that out of the circle of shepherd. <laughs> I love that. That's what it should be. And it's not. Yeah, but that's just not what D&D 5 does. Right. Like D&D 5 just doesn't do that. That's not a, that's not a, the circle of the shepherd that's didn't a, do that's it. A that's a D&D. 5e doesn't do it. But I that's Jeremy Crawford not picking but up the phone. Because they don't do that, it was one and one for me. And for wild card and want to play, look, the Druid base class is good enough that I at least put it at a five. If this, if I go to a convention in the next six months and I'm playing at a table and not running at a table, which is rare, but let's say I'm playing at a table, there's a bunch of, of pregens there and there's a circle of shepherd druid is one of those. And I have not played a druid up until that point. I would probably play this because I want to play a druid. I just want to play that base class so much that I would probably take this in that circumstance if I haven't played another one. If i gotten this out of my system and I picked up and played another Druid before then, or even tacked it into like a few extra levels on another class, I would absolutely not play this. So I gave it five and five wildcard and, and desire to play. Hey there, travelers. Do you want early access to all of our episodes? How about exclusive content, live broadcasts, and the chance to throw dice with your favorite hosts and fellow fans? You can do all that by signing up for our Patreon at www.patreon.com/ttjourneys. But wait, there's more. 
For the next month, you can get a free coffee mug for signing up at the Adventurer level. Plus, Adventurer level Patreons automatically get complimentary copies of our latest book, The Traveler's Guide to the Multiverse, available on DMs Guild. We love doing this show for y'all, and your support helps us keep creating and producing great content for you. We have tiers to fit any budget for a monthly commitment, so join us today at www.patreon.com slash ttjourneys. For Circle of Spores. Which, and by the record, for the record, Circle of the Shepherd was the lowest rank subclass for the three of us. Let's see here. That is, that's only an eight for me. Yes. What do you got? Clint? I got a one. I got a 12. 12. All right. Disadvantage next round. You know, I like, that. I cool. like yep. going last. All right. Like, I try to go last. <laughs> I go last. Those 19s were not my favorite. And this one. All right, Glenn. Circle of the Spores. Have at it. So I really like this one. I gave it my one of my highest wild card rankings, and because uh, I was like, "What a fungal druid! That's going to be lame." But then, as I actually read it, I really enjoyed it, and I call it the Necro Druid. Their level ten ability is the only thing in my notes that I I thought was a little lackluster. So let me refresh my brain a tad. It's the one that allows you to move your aura thirty feet, right? Is that? Yeah. Yeah. I didn't, and I you can't move it fine. after that. You can't move it after that. It only cover, and it only covers ten oh. feet, and it just sits there. Yeah. Yep. Okay. But the circle spells were all pretty decent for where it's headed for. And no wither and bloom, though. That is a that is an omission in this list. A drastic omission that they did not give wither and bloom to the necro to the necro to the necro druid. I would not disagree with you in the slight uh, on that one. Wither and bloom um, came out well after this. But what book wither did that come Wither and bloom was a year after of, this. Did not exist at the time of this. That's what I was about to say. Didn't that come out in? Uh, okay. Thank you. My, yeah, my so brain was forming. Now. I think that is something <laughs> that will be fixed in one D and D when they decide to put that spell, if yeah. they keep it in the primal list, and then that becomes a non-issue in the primal if, list. At yeah. my table, I would absolutely yep. grant this. Which reminds me, what is GGTR for the book on this one? I forget now. Hang on. Because what if I yes. think it's the Ravnica Guildmaster's Guide to yeah. Ravnica, which is the oh, it was a Guildmaster. I thought that was the Hero's Guide to Ravnica. I was thinking you're spelling hero like a Greek sandwich. The- no, it is not a hero. <laughs> the hero's guide. Uh, okay, no, no. Cool. Guildmaster's Guide, yeah. which is interesting because that first came out there and then made its reappearance for main canon in Tasha. So this and is Tasha's, a magic yeah. port, and it's interesting that the one spell that should be added to this is also a magic port. It's also a magic port. Go it ahead. Came out. Prior Bike. to Saban's release, so yeah, oh, two years. But yeah, I, I would imagine that that's going to get added to it. So their circle spells at time of printing were fairly on point. Halo of Spores. At first, I was like, "That's a little low powered," until I noticed that it's an action you can use on the regular as opposed to being very limited. There's nothing stopping you from doing using it as a reaction every turn to continue to do damage for anybody that's within yeah. ten feet of you. So it's not so bad, and it does scale up. It's just on the lower end. Yeah, and I was a lot of things at two with this one. For sure. The one thing also that does limit it is there's actually a note about this class in Indian D Beyond is that temporary hit points don't stack by rule. And I'm not mm-hmm. sure how many people know that off the top of their head. That if you have ten temporary hit points and you gain five temporary hit points, you still have ten temporary hit points. You don't have fifteen. But if so, you gain right, fifteen, absolutely. you now yeah. have fifteen, um, and, not ten. Because you get you, you get you correct. can choose. Yeah, you don't have twenty five. Yeah. You choose which ones you can. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And I say it that way because more hit points versus less hit points only makes a difference per se yeah. if there's a duration. Yep. 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 You're not um, wrong on that yeah. point, but it does come up a lot. So back in my Adventure League days, that got asked by players, specifically newer players often, but 
unlike the other question we discussed last episode, this was when we were talking about uh, errata type questions, that was a question that nobody had to look up. It was like the veterans always knew it. We're always able to very clearly explain that. And then it was like, oh, okay. So a new person would ask that at a table. It might get asked twice in a session. But if there are three adventure league tables going on at any one time, which used to be the norm, you would find that you could hear that question asked probably twice in an (laughs) afternoon session. And there's usually two sessions in afternoon. That's funny. Yeah. And then at second level, you also get an alternate use of your wild shape ability called symbiotic entity, which is neat. Now you can only use it twice a day, but it gives you a second double on your spore damage and an additional D6 and all of necrotic on every melee attack. So at second level, you get a lot. So early tiers, you're getting a solid amount. Fungal infestation to be able to send your spores out and make a zombie, I think it's it's super hot. I think I I wish it had more than one hit point. But I just, that's just an awesome ability. Yeah, the only one I didn't like was the creating your own 10-foot cube for one minute of spores. And then anybody who happens to walk through it could take damage. But if they don't walk through it, once they move out of it, if you put it on them, you can't move it again. So without the ability to move it with a bonus action or something like Flaming Sphere, that just, that was really lackluster. It's the only one I didn't like. Yeah, nope, I totally agree with that. You should be able to move it. That's, yeah. you know. And so look you- what we're finding here. Sorry, if I can just like, just uh, wax poetic for a moment. Last time we were talking about how well-written this class is, and already in this episode, we we found several pieces of subclass stuff that were like, huh, you know what? That's really good, but it should be this little bit different instead. Just an interesting observation. Yep. Uh, sure. You're not wrong. Real quick, and I won't harp on anything for particularly long, what I found is exactly what you two have already mentioned. I love what it's going for, but that mechanics on the level power seriously dropped it. Much of the game utilizing that 10th level power, that's the end game for most campaigns. That's where it ends. So the last things you do with this character are going to be based on that level of power. And that's all you get? Nah. Yeah. I gave it a six and a yeah. six because the flavor for wildcard and for desire to play, I think other things just ranked above it for flavor because while I think it is exceptionally flavorful, yeah. it may not be the thing that I necessarily would want to play. And perhaps I probably should have ranked that maybe a little higher for flavor and a little less in the desire to yeah. play for that reason. But I think the average comes out to be about where yeah. it ended up. I think the average between those two. I do think so. And nobody has mentioned kind of the apex ability for the subclass either. But think about this too. You're immune to being blind. You're immune to being deaf. You're immune to being frightened. You're immune to being poisoned. And, and you're no virtually immune to critical hits. Unless you're incapacitated. That's not nothing. That's okay, You incorrectly said that one of the other subclasses had your favorite apex ability. This is probably the strongest apex ability in the subclass is the immune blanket immunity to some of the most common conditions in the game and right. critical hits. Though so. with D&D 1, monsters won't critical so hit. That, that's not so until that, it comes yeah, up. So that's only so super cool for, or if you're playing at my table and nah, they're going to say they're, they're gonna fix that. Yeah. like that's not yeah. but you're not they're, wrong they're, that is an exceptionally cool ability i just think the unlimited yeah. wild shape that is the class ability not the subclass apex ability is better yeah, yeah. all right dice in hand for circle of stars oh that's a 19 for me 15 Six. okay circle of stars uh, okay i have problems with this subclass i did not care for it I think that a the bonus spells are fine. There's good flavor in the bonus spells that you get at second level. That's all fine. I thought that the the ability to go ahead and use wild shape to get cool buffs next is good mechanically, but it does they don't scale because they're tied to your wisdom bonus instead of like proficiency bonus or something like that. And that's really kind of 
something that you want to see at a tier one, early tier two power is that it's useful at that point and it gets more useful as I grow as a character. And I thought that was a really, I think that was a missed opportunity. Here's where it falls off the wagon for me. This next power basically grants, it's an inspiration type mechanic, right? Where you can go ahead and apply a D6 to rolls and stuff like that. But at no point should a subclass ability based on an arbitrary dice roll either be good or bad for you. At no point should that ever happen. That's This is a class ability. It should always be something that I strive towards and that I get as I progress. And that ability should not randomly be bad for me. But it's not. I had a problem. I had a problem with that. Okay. The And then the, kind of the other thing is that, again, I think it, it fell apart from there for me anyway. And then it's big. We just talked about the Circle of Spores and how cool its Apex ability was. What's the Apex ability here? They get resistance. Not even immunity, but resistance to bludgeoning, piercing, and slashing damage. As, yes, an, apex, as, a, as, an, as an Apex ability that lacks both mechanical flair and flavor. And so I, it was a one for me in both of those categories. And so this was easily by far my lowest ranked subclass. So... Either I did not get it or I did not like it. And I'm pretty sure that I got it and that I didn't like it. So I'm happy to be close. I really liked the flavor of this. I thought your 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 star map was an amazing that was, that cool. was an amazing yeah, that. item that you have. A great way to flavor the character. I thought it was one of the stronger flavoring elements of the game. I liked knowing the guidance cantrip. I liked part of the long pause. I liked knowing the guidance cantrip. I liked the guiding bolt that you got to utilize. Like I said, the roll table or the pick table for the star maps were great. I think starry form was interesting and fun. I like that you had options that you get to choose from. Archer, Chalice, Dragon. They worked really well for me. I thought they spoke to something that I found to be interesting and would be very, would really look forward to playing. And then Cosmic Omen, Wheeler Woe. I didn't think that this was, I agree with you, nothing should necessarily be bad for you. But it's a choice. It's yeah. only a matter of how you choose to use it. Yeah. There's nothing bad about it. It's just a matter of what you saw in the portents. You either use your reaction to hamper an enemy, or if you have woe, or use your reaction to help an ally if you have yeah. wheel. Yeah. Yep. So it's uh-huh. two different ways of flavoring. Yep. I think it's super cool. I love that they did wheel and woe. So that it's not, and I'm sorry I jumped in here, but I had to. You were both down in it. The no, fact you're absolutely that it gives right. you two different ways to flavor the reaction depending on how you read the portents that day and that impacts how you use it, I think is fantastic. It's yep. one of the best powers so, in here. You're absolutely right. I'm you wrong. I got to yeah. say that while I liked it, it wasn't the greatest thing for me. I was going to get make the same point you made. It was not a automatic down. So thank you for making that point. It is, you just choose which way you get to go. And I thought that was very interesting. The three of us had a conversation not too long ago off broadcast about how would you handle future things or future things. And we were ways to do, I found this to interest concept. So it's in my mind in that other discussion. Well, still, no, and that's honestly kind of, that's right. kind of where we're trying to go with that. Is that we're on talking about? On some level, um, I think reaction is to where it's got to be. Everything I've looked at over the last five days has went reaction. So I just don't think there's a way out of yep. that, unfortunately. But I liked this. It wasn't, it wasn't my. On that one, I think it's because they're trying to open up the action economy of the reaction because it hadn't been used exactly. in the game previously. Exactly. Very true. That is one thing I noticed with my druid is that my (laughs) druid basically had no reactions other than attack of opportunities. None. And Mm. so that was one thing that we were talking about at the end of the class warfare is how do I take this character and give them reactions through feats or through... Yeah, no, exactly. But that's... Rounding out your action economy means you've always got something to... Uh, Yeah. But... 
along with that, I would say the mechanics did drop specifically because the capstone ability is so blah. It, it just fell because of that. But for flavor, I gave it a mechanics. I went with three. Wild card, I went a seven. I really just like this. This is something I could see myself playing. It's not fitting any characters I play currently, but I, there's some characters I would like to play this way that I want to build specifically with this in mind. And then for desire to play, I gave it a nine because I really like this subclass. Yeah. How about you, Glenn? Pretty sure this one is my highest ranked subclass, which I should be able to just glance at those numbers there. That's uh, the side and nope. no. Cir- spores, spores were slightly higher, yeah. They went back and forth so hard. And I think I'd rather play stars than druid or than stars than spores, but and I jumped in with my bit about wheel and woe in there. And y'all are not wrong about the apex power. Super, super lackluster, especially after everything that came before. Very much a letdown. The one upside to it is it doesn't specify you have resistance to non-magical bludgeoning, piercing, and slashing, but all the piercing and slashing. But still, it's crap. Yeah. Aside from that, though. If you you have a weapon that does like D8 bludgeoning plus 3D10 necrotic, sure, I get resistance to that D10. So I'm going to save those four bludgeoning points, but I'm still taking the 30 necrotic in the chin. So No, it's lame for an apex power. It really is. But its earlier powers, I really liked. The fact that Liwanika mentioned Guiding Bolt, but you can do it without expending a spell slot, even from second level. So that's two extra spells because it's a number of times of your proficiency bonus. Two extra first level spell casts for free. Yeah, that's not wrong. At second level, plus the extra benefits that you get from Guiding Bolt. And the star map is super cool. Starry Form, I thought, was a groovy choice for Wild Shape. It could scale better. You're not wrong. They built it scaling into the 10th level power. Wild Shape as a feature doesn't scale, which we've already Mm. noted. If they built too much scaling into it, it would have overbalanced it since it's effectively an alternate Wild Shape ability. Didn't have that concern with the Circle of Moon. That's because it focuses on the Wild Shape. It's its whole job. (laughs) I'm just saying. Telling. Yeah. But yeah, at 10th level, they go from 1d8 to 2d8 on the starry forms. That's their 10th level power. But this is probably my favorite or my I'd most like to play subclass because there's so much flavor in this, just like our Domain of Prophecy and the new one that Watsi's put out. In the Spelljammer book, they put out a domain that has to do with divination as well. So much flavor to the fortune teller druid, and it could be so much fun to play. All right, gentlemen, the last one here, the Circle of Wildfire. Uh, That's a 15 for me. 16. All right, Mr. Myers, take us home, sir. Okay. So my opening notes. Sounds neat. Has some flavor, but after sixth level, it's mechanically crap. My biggest issue with this one, I get where it's trying to go. I like the idea of bonding with a spirit of fire, which smacks of elemental as opposed to nature, but so be it. Okay. And I get the whole fire burns and clears re- and then to make room for new growth, just like wither and bloom. So I can get behind that aspect of the druid connection to it too. But the and the list of spe- the list of spells, it definitely gives you some offensive capability and some healing. So it fits what it's saying about about destructive power and regenerative power of wildfire. My issue is the wildfire spirit, and not that they get it, but after that, everything's based off of it. It uses your wild shape. You can only do it two times. All of the rest of their powers are based off of that. When yep. you got car- your final, your 14th level ability, the bond with your wildfire spirit can save you from death. If the spirit is within 120 feet of you and you were reduced to zero hit points and thereby fall unconscious. So only if you're going to die again, and only if you happen to have your wildfire spirit out at the time, you regain half your hit points and immediately rise to your feet. 
Okay, so I hear what you're saying. At no point, if you're playing this druid, should you not have your wild spirit, your wildfire spirit, out. First of all, it only lasts Second for an all, hour, and you can only do it twice a day. Okay, so you trot it out during combat, twice per short rest. Look at cauterizing flames, which I thought the tenth level ability, which I thought was one of the greatest powers in this subclass's set. You gain the ability to turn death into magical flames that can heal or incinerate. That's not related to your wildfire spirit. Like you don't have to have your wildfire spirit out for that. Fair enough. So, I didn't bring that one yeah. up because my last note says, "Don't get me started on the tenth level power." You didn't care for that? No. So this is and this is why. Okay, great. I see what it's doing and it's groovy ish. No, it's crap. When a small or larger creature dies within 30 feet of me or my wildfire spirit, a harmless spectral flame springs forth from the dead creature's space and mm-hmm. flickers there for one minute. So I kill a kobold 10 yards yep. that way. Now there's a little spectral flame. If mm-hmm. anybody happened to walk through the space, you can use it. You can train your friends to go towards it for healing. That's a true story. But again, we've got a damage dealing possible area of effect or reaction that's fixed unless the bad guys are in the habit of walking on top of the corpses of their foes it's useless and a lot of dms count corpses as difficult terrain which discourages people from walking on i i Mm. personally create a lot of scenarios where you have no choice but to go over them but let's just take the last battle that the class warfare battle you guys rolled over a couple corpses several times because the amount of movement you were taking you had the ability even with that single five foot square being difficult terrain to get there i never brought it up but i was actually paying attention to those details as people were moving and i certainly took that into account as i was moving the bad guys so i would say that actually happens probably more frequently than or than you're thinking would happen i know it happens a ton of times certainly in any of those games he tends to leave the figs on the deck so you are definitely dealing with line of sight issues, difficult terrain mm-hmm. issues, all those things. So I think it happens quite frequently. I think that's probably yeah. the least niche thing of the niche things that we've probably spoken about in this subclass. I think the only way that power offensively is usable and it would significantly increase its defense is instead of it being the five foot of just the space where the creature died, if it had a radius, even if it's only five feet more so yeah. that it's a 10 foot area. Yeah, 10 foot radius, yeah. Something so that people passing by the corpse. I- but aside from that, it's, in my opinion, too limiting. Or you go one step further and make, like, if it, whatever size the creature is. So if it's a small creature, if it's a medium creature, sure, it's only five foot. But if it's a, if it's like one of those ank eggs from the class warfare, then it's nine squares. That could, that could be neat, I think. Also, I think the thing that you have to remember, too, is that it's not if you kill one kobold, then you've got that one five foot square. You can do this up to your proficiency bonus, which at 10th level is four or five. So it's not when you kill that one kobold, it's when you kill those five kobolds and you now have a flame wall that your enemies need to choose to either go through and take damage as you make them explode or go around them now that's battlefield control right now that's just mm. that's making them okay. choose where they need to go and even better than that remember too there's the other side of rising flames too and that's if i kill those five kobolds and now there's that flame right there now we as the party can we have an alley to go ahead and shoot through and gain hit points when we do it that was one of the things in that class warfare in particular that turned that battle more than anything else is the ability for you to do a power that gained me hit points and then me to do a power and get you hit points right back. So if you think Fair about point. so from when you're entering end of tier two, th- think about the 10th level, you're at your end of tier two power, right?
right? And so what are we thinking for end of tier ability? We're thinking one big bad, two or three lieutenants, and a dozen minions, right? Now all those dozen minions are little health point batteries that I can we kill a bunch of them, and now all of a sudden that's extra hit points for us, or it's difficult, or it's not just difficult terrain for the bad guys, but potentially damage causing. So I think it's very useful. And I think that the scaling on it, tying it to proficiency bonus, is sexy also. Do I wish that it did more damage as it went up also? Sure, but 2d10 plus your wisdom modifier. That's, not that's nothing. That's you I mean you're looking at you're looking at 15 to 25 bad. hit points. Totally. Yeah. I'm totally or a heal cool. or an I'm gonna take, it's not bad. And I'm gonna take what you said about that ability and build on it a little bit. Put that in conjunction with a battle master who pushes. Oh god, yeah. Or a telekinetic who pulls or a warlock who <laughs> uses Eldritch Black and can drag people. You're using that ability all day yep. long. You put somebody there and all the warlock yeah. has to do is walk into a space and all drag right. them back. Yep. That is yep. when we talk about utility and synergy with party members, that's one of the best abilities in, in, in the whole set we're talking about because of how well it works with everything. Y'all have changed my mind about the circle of wild flower i would wild fire (laughs) if i re-ranked it now i would definitely move it up it probably wouldn't make it to the top i did already like its flavor it sounded really cool yeah just none of its powers resonated resonated with me i gave it a six for mechanics for flavor i gave it my number one because how badly i want to play this for wild card it gave me a 10 because i didn't think i was going to care for it all that much i didn't really think it would speak to me i grew up on smoky the bear there only you can prevent forest fires yeah but now you cast burning (laughs) hands at every bush that Move. As one does, but and definitely for for want to play, I absolutely want to play this. This is the subclass that I'm I am considering adding to the character I just started playing in Old Ways to Spiro because I think there's something I can make I can really make at work. The question is no longer if it is when I want to bring that in because I'm already doing a dual class, so to bring in the third class, I got to figure out when's the right time to add it in. But I love this, yeah. absolutely love this, absolutely uh, my favorite. Yeah, definitely. I gave it a perfect score. Pop, yep. 34 out of possible uh, 44. You know, yep. That's this to me is some people come to Druid for the spells. Some people come to Druid for the wild shapes. I come to Druid for the flavor, and this is the one that's got it for me. And I think, so to that point also, and we won't beat this dead horse too far, but we talked about this a lot, about how Druid is a two-pillar class, right? It is spellcasting, and then it is wild shape. This is the only subclass that gives it another angle. And so you've got your Druid now that spellcasts, gets a better spell list, because again, it's pulling that, that healing fire type thing, some interesting stuff there. And it's got its wild shape, but it's now its wild shape is a totally different entity that does a bunch of different things than your traditional wild shape. Absolutely. Absolutely. Let's let's see how things wrapped up here. So largely at the assistance of Liwanika and I, Circle of Wildfire came in top of the stack at average of 25. The next one down, let's see, was the Circle of the Moon from the Player's Handbook. All of us were pretty close on that one. Average just under 22. One after that, Circle of Spores. Glenn certainly carrying the vanguard on that one. Circle of Stars at a little bit over 20. I did not care for that one. That was one that I ranked lowest the stack, but Looney and Glenn, very strong ratings on that front. And then the one after that, Circle of Dreams. And then let's see, after Circle of Dreams, yeah, after Circle of Dreams was Circle of Land, back into the Player's Handbook, that one. And then the one at the bottom of the stack here was Circle of the Shepherd, which I scored high, but both both Glenn and Luunika scored scored pretty low. And, and again, these discussions are always interesting. 
interesting because when we go through and we do our rankings independently, inevitably halfway through this conversation, we're like, you know what? You're really right about that. I like when it, with the Wild and Woe thing, totally. I absolutely misread how that was applied and it absolutely affected my rankings. And so would I re-rank things if I went back through them? I think that there would be a pretty strong case. I talked about it earlier about how the Circle of Dreams, I think I liked Circle of Dreams better than I actually scored it. And I certainly, I'd ranked it a two for both mechanics and flavor, but I probably liked it better than Circle of the Moon. How about you, Glenn? What'd you think? I really, over as we've covered at the beginning of the last episode, when we we're talking about the whole class, was surprised by how much I was digging the Druids, even the classes that I wasn't a big fan of, with the exception of the Shepherd. I would be, and even that one, because the base Druid class, with just between Wild Shape and its spell casting, is solid and as a solid and balanced enough contributor to any party that, regardless of the flavor you put over the top of it, I could play it and have fun. Even if I was playing a Circle of the Shepherd, I really could. And I'd argue with my game master until we worked out some alternate powers if I needed to. I don't know. I'd work something out. But I like Druids. Druids, druids are cool. Yeah, totally. That, I think, is the underscore for the entire thing. We can kind druids. of wrap, wrap up these both of these episodes like this. Druids are far cooler than I thought they were. Like They're far better than I thought they were, and they're definitely cooler than I thought they were. And I always thought that they were neat, they just didn't resonate with me. Really should have given them more attention. So that is our Druid content for right now. I hope that you have enjoyed it. We'll be back next week, as always, and we'll be beginning a new actual play next week also, now that our class warfare is done. I don't know. I'll leave it as a surprise. I'm not going to go ahead It'll and reveal it. actual that. play surprise. It's like the worst stew in the world, actual play surprise. But anyway, anyway, gentlemen, thank you, as always, for joining me. Glad, as always, to go ahead and have these discussions. They're always really super fruitful. So, yeah. Right. Everyone out there, thank you very much for listening. Appreciate the support. We are quickly working through our Kickstarter content at this point to go ahead and get that polished up. Yeah, hope that you got in on that. We will talk to you again next week. Thank you very much for listening, everybody. Have a good night. Later. We're going to go take a long rest. Thank you for joining us. This has been Tabletop Journeys. We would love to hear your feedback on our show today. Join us at www.ttjourneys.com where you can subscribe to the blog to leave comments and see all the content that we publish beyond the podcast. You can also stay in touch by subscribing to our Twitter, at TT Journeys, by joining our Facebook group, Tabletop Journeys, or by sending an email directly to podcast at ttjourneys.com. And remember, if you want early access to all of our episodes, a chance to drop dice with your favorite hosts, and maybe even appear in one of our actual plays, you can join our Patreon to help support the show at patreon.com forward slash TT Journeys. You're listening to us on Stitcher, iTunes, Podchaser, Spotify, or Audible. We would appreciate it if you would like and subscribe to the podcast on that platform. Full episodes come out every week on Saturdays, and every Tuesday features our actual play episodes. Thank you for listening and for being a part of our growing community. And in the words of another traveler along our path, we bid you shade and sweet water. Thank you.